Ed, welcome back to the Russell Street Replay. This is a Baltimore Ravens recap podcast. This is our mid-season special. We are looking at the first half of the Baltimore Ravens season thus far because they had a bye this week and there was no game for us to recap. Uh, I'm joined here by Aiden Gresser. Am I getting that right? Yep, yep, it is Aiden Gresser. And, and uh, he is a fellow writer for the Russell Street Report. Aiden, my uh, kind of big questions to kick off the podcast First is, what do you think is the absolute ceiling for this team this season? That's a tough one. I, you know, up until uh, last week, I thought the, the ceiling was the Super Bowl. Um, I still think it's possible that they could get there, but I have my doubts now. Obviously, they got thrashed really by, by Cincinnati. And I don't think Cincinnati is the team that, that is going to knock them out of the playoffs or anything. Um, but I think they, there were a lot of flaws, maybe too many um, to, to answer in the second half of the season. So I would say they're definitely, you know, in position to make a deep playoff run. I think it helps that there probably are less AFC teams, um, that, that are standing in the way, especially with the news about Derrick Henry now. Um, but I I don't know if, if they're a Super Bowl, like a true Super Bowl contender, um, without answering some of those questions. So it's possible that they could still be a Super Bowl team, but I'm, I'm, I have my doubts still. So I, yeah. I would say AFC championship. Absolutely. I think I'm, I think I'm with you on the AFC championship as, as their ceiling, just because, you know, even if they can make a Super Bowl, I'm not sure they can stand up to these NFC teams that have just looked like powerhouses all season. And I mean, I just put money on the NFC winning the Super Bowl this year based on this first half. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I totally agree. I think that the injuries at a certain point add up, especially when you're going up against this top talent. And you're going up against the best teams that are most prepared for this. Um, moving on to the second question, which end of year awards contenders do you see? And I mean, league wide for the Raven on the Ravens right now. Um, I can think of a few personally, Jackson for MVP. Uh, I think Harbaugh has a coach of the year case. I'm not sure he'll get recognized for it. And I think Odafe Owe, if he can build off, you know, a good start and get more pressure on the quarterback for the rest of the year, I think he could be a defensive rookie of the year contender too. Yeah, I would say I'm, I'm aligned with you on each of those. I hadn't really thought about the Harbaugh one in recent weeks, but I think, you know, like you said, he has a case just simply based on how many injuries they've had. My thing is with all the injuries occurring so early in the season, like you said, will he, will people remember that? Um, and, and so I think it depends on, you know, how they actually finish. Um, Cause you've got Kingsbury obviously in Arizona who, who probably is, is the top competitor for Harbaugh mm-hmm. right now, just with them being, what are they? Six and one, seven and one. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, there's some tough competition there, but I think what jumps off the page is if they, if the Ravens were to, you know, finish top two or three in the AFC Jackson would definitely be in the MVP conversation. And then OA to me right now, I think he's deserving of, uh, of defensive rookie of the year. Um, I don't think there's anyone that's gone out and just like, unlike Jamar chase on the offensive side, I don't think there's anyone that's really taken that, that award yet. So if he builds on a strong uh, start to the season, I, I agree that he could be primed for that. Yeah, I think for my money, it's between him and his Penn State teammate, Micah Parsons in Dallas. I think they've both just looked so versatile all season. I think Parsons may have more counting statistics, but I'm curious to see if Owen can make up some of that ground in the second half. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like when you talk about a lot of those Rookie of the Year awards, I think a lot of times it comes down to statistics 
And the reason I think Owe could jump off the page by the end of the year is if he gets to see more playing time and they work him in on like pass rushing downs and he starts to finish some of these sacks. Um, sacks is always a stat that people go to right away. So mm-hmm. uh, while Parsons may have like the tackles and he might be a little bit more of like a, a consistent contributor down, like every down for the Cowboys, um, I think always stats like if he does start to rack up the sacks, I think he could be very, very well positioned for the award. Yeah, I has been doing a lot too, dropping back into coverage right. and really good against the run. So it's also a question of how he's being used on, on his ceiling for that award. Mm-hmm. Moving on to our categories, you know, most valuable Raven, I guess we could just get this out of the way and just talk for a few minutes about Jackson, Lamar Jackson's first half. I mean, there's no question he's the most valuable player on this team. He's one of the most valuable players in the whole league, as we just mentioned. You know, what what has popped to you about Jackson so far this season? I mean, he, to me, even in games that they've lost, I've just been like, he looks so much better as a quarterback, like a pure, you know, reading the field standpoint, he, he jumps off the the screen to me um, in ways that he didn't in, in his first few seasons. I think like, you know, he's still just as explosive in the running game. Um, there have been multiple games where he's stood out in that, in that space, but from just reading the field, making smart decisions with the football and, fitting the ball into tighter windows, being more accurate with the deep ball. And even, you know, it's a small thing, but I know it was talked about heavily, like being able to push the ball to the outside of the field. He can do that now. And, and to me, like I was going to get into this a little bit later too, but you know, there've been a couple players that have stepped up on the offense, but with the injuries that we've had and everything, there have been a ton of games that it's really just been Jackson taking over and, and, you know, almost single-handedly winning, winning football games for us. Yeah. It's, it's been pretty amazing just to watch him, you know, whether he's down 19 points or he's trying to outdo Patrick Mahomes, just kind of lock in and just hit every pass on a drive and throw it, you know, 30, we've seen so many beauties to Hollywood this season, you know, that confidence pushing the ball downfield and the, the ability to pinpoint it, you know, that opens up a whole new dimension of this offense. And, Yes, the injuries have forced a lot of close games, but you got to wonder in the second half if he has when he is Watkins, Bateman, Hollywood, and Andrews back all together. It's going to be really exciting to see what they do. I think both in the run game and the passing game. I, I completely agree with you. So moving on to offensive Raven of the season, obviously, you know we'll we'll rule Lamar ineligible for this. I've got four nominees, and then I want to see who else you have on your list. Uh, Mark Andrews has just been a stud at tight end again. Really, really had a great game, a couple great great games in a row. Hollywood Brown has also just been completely unleashed this season. And then I have two offensive linemen. Bradley Bozeman's been a stud at center. He's been so good protecting Jackson, and there haven't been issues snapping the ball. And I put Alejandro Villanueva on this list because say what you will about that first week at right tackle against the Raiders. He has been so, so good at left tackle. And that, I think, without him at left tackle, this offense, I think, would have completely fallen apart. Yeah, no, I I agree. I think – Andrews I didn't have on my list simply because I and obviously he's been fantastic but I just thought you know he it's the standard now with him where he's like Lamar's go-to guy um I ultimately chose Hollywood uh for this award but um that's just because I think he's made greater strides uh but the other guys that I were considering Villanueva was one as well it seemed it's weird where he flipped from right tackle to left tackle and all of a sudden he's been a stud out there for the most part. Um, I also was considering 
Kevin Zeitler, which um, is, you know, obviously pretty low, low profile player, but um, to me, you know, he hasn't jumped off the page, but when you're talking about offensive linemen, like, or offensive linemen, you don't really want to hear their name that much. Cause if you are, that's usually a bad thing. And Zeitler is someone that I, whenever his name gets called, I almost consistently forget that they've even had him. And I think that that's a, 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 an ode to how consistent he's been. Um, and, and so obviously low profile, that's why I, I chose Hollywood because he's making the bigger plays, but I think Zeitler has been a huge part of meshing that offensive line. Um, and like solving that, that kind of guard position that, that the interior line was a question mark going into the year. Um, so I guess him and Bozeman in tandem have kind of done a lot of work to resolving that issue. Um, but, but ultimately I think Hollywood has just been outstanding and I know, you know, he's had the lions game. He had the, the three drops, but his, his development in terms of yards after the catch, even just uh, I think separation, like he always seems to be open, whether he's, you know, the pass is completed or not. Um, he's always open. And then he, uh, I wrote about this in one article, but he's actually seventh or before, before Sunday, he was seventh in the NFL in receiving yards. And if you'd told me that, that, you know, Hollywood Brown would be even close to the top 10, I would have gladly taken that. So, you know, all the drops and, 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 some of the inconsistencies aside, I still think he has been way more consistent than he's been in years past. Um, and, and he's really been fantastic for me. Yeah. I mean, the Lions game to me was really the only game in which he struggled and he still played. Okay. It's just that those drops really stood out because they could have been, you know, for a bunch of points. Yeah. You know, I think Zeitler is, you're absolutely right about Zeitler. Not hearing his name is a good thing, especially when right guard was such a question mark. We hadn't found someone to, play that position since Yonda retired and mm. having a veteran like him in an offensive line that's had to be in, that's had to reshuffle itself a bunch of times this season. We're going to have, we're probably going to have a, a different starting right tackle on Sunday against the Vikings. Zeitler's just been huge in, in just helping anchor that line in the middle, like you said with Bozen, but I absolutely agree. Hollywood has been unbelievable and to see his ascension into a legitimate top 10 receiver in the NFL has been awesome. I hope that he starts to get some of this respect and continues throughout this, throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, definitely. Moving on to defensive Raven of the season. I've got Chuck Clark. Uh, he, I know he didn't look as sharp against the Bengals, but he was lights out for the first six games of the season. He played really, really well across the board. I've Calais Campbell as well. He has been a shine, shining bright spot on a pretty poor interior defensive line effort. I felt, I felt like Campbell is really the only one who's getting in there and impacting plays last season. I felt like he was doing the same, but he's also finishing them more than he has in seasons past as well. And I also put Odafe Owe on there. I think he's, he's done a crazy amount of work on this defense that you don't necessarily see from a rookie outside linebacker who most people expected to be more of a pass rush run defense guy. And he's doing a lot of rotations and coverage and crazy blitzes. My honorable mention is Josh Bynes. I don't think we've seen enough from him to anoint him yeah. defensive Raven of the first half, but I think he's a guy who has just been phenomenal in his two games or he's played in four games, but had two games really as the starter inside linebacker. Yeah. It's so funny that you mentioned Bynes. Cause I thought about, I thought about him as well. So honorable mention is a good way to put it. Um, to me, this was tough because the defense has been pretty weak. I've, I've, I've been very disappointed in the defense. Uh, I thought they'd be a lot better. And obviously I think the, the injury to Marcus Peters is a huge, huge part of that. Um, so my my list really I was between two guys and 
One of them you mentioned, Calais Campbell. I think he's been really strong. And funny enough, the second guy I was considering just because of that Marcus Peters injury and his his you know the way that he's stepped up was actually Anthony Averett. Um, and I I was for the most part staying away from the secondary in terms of starters just because I feel like that's been one of the weakest points. And I don't know if that's entirely their fault, like Elliot Clark and Humphrey all have been affected by the injuries on the back end. Um, even Tavon young too. Uh, but Averett, you know, he's been attacked so regularly and at least, you know, when I was thinking about this, I, I just couldn't think of even one whole game where I thought he got absolutely torched. And so because there weren't any clear, clear standouts to me, I had to throw Avery in there because because of the fact that he wasn't a stand, he hasn't been a standout as like a bad player. And yeah, he I, had that he had that one really bad game against the Colts, but then really yeah. rebounded the next two weeks against the 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 Bengals and the Chargers and showed that he could put it behind him. Yes, yeah, exactly. And you're right. He that that game was tough for him. Um, I was actually at the game, so it was a little bit more difficult for me to figure out like who was in coverage. <laughs> but but yeah, I agree that he he's put that behind him. But even that game aside, like or you know, focusing on that game, I should say, the whole defense struggled, and the Colts put together like an outstanding uh, offensive game plan that there weren't any answers uh, up until really the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say that game is what I wanted to highlight when saying that I think Calais Campbell is the defensive Raven of the season, because I don't, I I think it got overlooked and obviously Jackson had a historic game, um, but they still, despite Jackson's efforts probably wouldn't have won if it wasn't for Calais Campbell stuffing a third down run and then blocking the field goal. And those two plays back to back just stood, they, they jumped off the page to me, stood out as, you know, clear you know i mean it would have been a huge loss unexpected and everything and and him making those plays to even give them a chance to send it to overtime that alone kind of gave him the award in my eyes um but even yeah and i'm yeah i'm totally with you i think campbell gets my award uh i i think it's co-award i got a co-award it with clark clark has just been really good and i think early in the season you know he proved he's one of the most underrated players in the nfl he was good against the run. He was solid in coverage and on blitzes did everything Wink Martindale asked him to do. But yeah, Campbell has just been incredible. He's 35 years old. He's playing the most snaps of anyone along the defensive line. He's playing nose tackle uh, defensive end. He's lining up on the edge. He's doing everything he can against the run in the past. And it's just it really impressive to see a guy who's 35 just physically dominating you know you know that he's really cerebral and that he's good at reading plays and and beating blocks you know able to kind of think his way out of things sometimes but to see him also just physically overwhelm rookie guards that are supposed to be fresh out of college and physically at their peak really impressive from him yep agreed and and just to speak to Clark you know I agree that he's one of the most underrated safeties and players defensively in the entire league. Um, And, you know, I hadn't thought about this aspect of his role too much, but when the the secondary is struggling and and the defense is struggling to have somebody on the back end, who's always in the right place is huge. Um, And, and he is that sort of, you know, he's not going to, out physical too many players in the NFL. He's not the most athletic or, you know, high profile um, 
impact player in terms of like getting interceptions, even forcing fumbles sometimes. Like he's not the physical beast that like a Buddha Baker is or something like that. Mm-hmm. But to have someone on the back end who's always going to be in the right place is really important, especially when you've had injuries and you're struggling. So I, I can, I'm happy to give it to him as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And both, I mean, two, the two things in common there, two of the smartest players on the team and two of the smartest defenders in the NFL. And you got to love having that experience, even while this defense is struggling, having that experience and leadership, I think can be key down the stretch. We, we, we usually award a unit of the game for every game. When thinking about a unit of the season, I couldn't really put one together. I mean, it's tough to give it to the offensive line because they've done okay despite all the injuries, but they haven't dominated. Really, I just thought it would be a good time to talk about how much better Lamar Jackson's targets have been, his wide receivers this season. That Listen, that, that's exactly where I went with this. Um, I think wide receiver is the only position group that I actually considered. It, it was the immediate answer that I had. Hollywood is, is kind of driving a lot of that by mm-hmm. making the leaps that he has and obviously the, the huge plays. Uh, but I'm excited for, for Rashad Bateman. I think he's been fantastic and, and has been way more impactful than I expected him to be in his first two games, even before he, uh, you know, came onto the scene and, and before Watkins got hurt. I thought Watkins was kind of flying under the radar. Uh, I, I thought there were a lot of plays where he moved the chains and, and did even more than I was expecting obviously his health has always been a concern. And so it's a concern now. Um, But I think the wide receiver group, even outside of those three, like James Prochet, Duvernay have been making plays. I don't know. Duvernay's like punt returning and kick returning. That's more of the special teams unit, but you know, even in that aspect, he's been an impact player. Um, So I've really enjoyed watching this group develop. And I think honestly, like wide receiver has been, an area of concern. I can't remember the last time we weren't going into a draft saying they need to draft a wide receiver. Um, And this is probably going to be the first year where they don't have to do that. uh, Yeah. Capacity. So, yeah, I I mean, they've got, um, you know, they'll have pretty much everyone except Watkins is, you know, is set to return next year because they're also on the rookie contracts. And I wouldn't be shocked if they went up to Watkins and, you know, offered him another one-year deal for next season or maybe a two or three-year deal because they, he fits in well in this offense and he's got a lot of good chemistry with Jackson and you're absolutely right. You just go down the list. You know, you got Hollywood, Bateman, Watkins, all averaging over 50 yards a game. Then you talk about Duvernay and Prochet. They've been really good at stepping up just in rotational roles throughout the game. Wallace is a guy who I think they wish they could play more, but they just haven't had the room for him to get a lot of snaps still contributing on special teams. So is miles Boykin. So they're getting a lot out of that entire group. So I absolutely agree. Unit of the season so far. Moving on to offensive play of the season. I tried to keep this to, well, I tried not to double dip in games. I tried to keep it to no more than one play a game. Hollywood's diving touchdown against the Broncos. That was a thing of beauty. Mark Andrews had that one hand catch against the Colts. That was, I think, on a key third down. I also had Hollywood's touchdown against the Bengals getting that, that toe drag in the back of the end zone. Justin Tucker's 66-yard field goal. I know it's technically special teams, but I'm going to put it in this category since it scored points um, as the offensive play of the season. And against the Chiefs, there were a couple contenders, but I had to go with a third Hollywood play, which was Lamar Jackson's jump pass to Hollywood that put the Ravens up in the fourth quarter. Any other plays you wanted to highlight? Um, Yeah, so I honestly couldn't remember, and I I should have just gone back in the highlights. I think it was the Chiefs, I want to say, but – 
when Mark Andrews hurdled out of bounds, that was a huge play for me. I, it might not have been the Chiefs game, but I know like the wherewithal to hurdle somebody and make sure that they got out of bounds. That was huge. Um, but other than that, like all of the same plays kind of were on my list. Uh, and I ultimately went with the jump throw um, simply. Be, and it's it's not so much about the the spectacle of the play. Obviously, it was awesome. Uh, a huge heads up play from Lamar to to he was going and running and that's part of his development as a passer as well. He was, it looked like he was dedicated to running. Um, and then he found someone wide open and, and made the throw. Um, the other plays to Hollywood, the diving catch, the play against the Bengals, obviously beautiful catches um, and throws on both ends. Uh, but I thought the reason I gave it to the jump throw was just, I think that was the play that as a fan for me, that's when I was like, Oh, we might actually win this. And I think it probably had a similar effect to the Ravens team where it kind of ignited that comeback. And that was where, you know, I think they were up two scores at the point at that point and it cut it to four, I believe. Um, and, and so that, that's the kind of play that, that gets the team going and is like, you know, we're still in this thing. So obviously they would have fallen to zero and two probably if, if, if they hadn't made that sort of play um, and, you know, there was a lot of game left, but if they had fallen to zero and two in that game, things would have been looking real bleak. Um, so I, I just had to give it in terms of, you know, the, how awesome the play was, but also the impact on just the, the start to the season as a whole. Um, that was, that was it for me. Yeah. I think, I think that's my top play too. I have the diving touchdown against the Broncos as my number two, partially just as Hollywood stretching all the way out to make a catch the week after the lions game. It yes. was one of the, Long, I think it was the longest pass of Jackson's career. There was just so much to love about that play, but exactly what you said about rising to the moment against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs mm-hmm. and all of the symbolism in what you said about Jackson looking like he was going to run, stopping and making a perfect throw to Hollywood is just so uh, emblematic of this season for this offense with teams expecting Jackson to run and loading up against the run and the Ravens not running the ball at the same efficiency that they have in the past, but the passing game just exploding and being something that Ravens rely on to win games consistently. is just amazing to see. Uh, It's, it's just been so incredible to see, especially Jackson and Hollywood develop this connection that you think, man, this is a connection I want to see for the rest of my career or for the rest of their careers on this team. Yep. Couldn't agree more. Uh, moving on to defensive play of the season. This one was a little tougher because the defense hasn't played as well this season. I have always forced fumble against the chiefs. I thought that was huge. And I have to say it's, it's tough to break this rule, but I have to say his sack or his near sack leading to Tavon Young's interception, I think is also worthy of being on this list. Just considering there aren't that many great plays this defense has made. Um, Deshaun Elliott's interception against the chargers was a complete, physical spectacle just to be able to wrestle that ball away from the receiver. Um, and something that you haven't seen from Elliott before is his first career pick. Uh, and I also have always sack against the Broncos when he got around the line of scrimmage faster than I've ever seen someone do it. Uh, I just thought that, I mean, three of the four players are always, he's been incredible this season. Yeah. What other plays did you have? I didn't have any others. This was kind of uh, similar to the, the wide receiver group where when I thought of this question, it was just, always force fumble um and that is probably more based on impact there there might have been other plays where there was more athleticism like his sack for example um but 
almost literally, if that hadn't happened, they would have fallen to 0-2 because, you know, barring a missed field goal, the Chiefs were in position. They would have just run out the clock. They were already going down that road where they're handing the ball off to Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And and so if he hadn't forced that ball out and it hadn't been recovered, the Ravens would have been sitting at 0-2 and, you know, think, like I said earlier, things would have been looking real bleak. So um, just based on impact alone, that was the, pay, the, the play that stood out to me. Um, I can see the argument for the, the Tavon Young and, and Owe forcing that terrible decision from, uh, from Mahomes. Um, so, and honestly, that's kind of similar to the jump throw where there was a lot of game left, but it was another moment where like Baltimore pulled themselves back into the game. Um, so yeah, I can see that. I can see that one as well. I just thought, you know, based on the moment and also, you know, we have to say like he, this was a guy in his second NFL game making a play like that. Just insane. So yeah, that, I went and, with that. and again, that narrative comes into play when you think about who did, who, who did he slip behind in order to make that play? He slipped in the gap between Orlando Brown Jr. And Joe Thune. And the only mm-hmm. reason always in Baltimore is because the Ravens traded, yep. uh, you know, Orlando Brown Jr. To the chiefs for the pick that they used to draft him. And yeah. so, you know, it, it's just, Amazing to see a rookie do that well in a game against such a good offense. And I have to agree. I think it's the most impactful game of the season because I think it gave OA and the defense a lot of confidence going into their next few games. And they played really well against the Lions. They played really well against the Broncos. And yeah, they struggled against the Colts, but then they played really well against the Chargers. So yeah, it's inconsistencies from the defense, but I do think they've shown they have it in them to put put in some pretty good performances. What is the biggest area of improvement you want to see from this team for the rest of the season? So it was a perfect segue. Uh, I think the pass defense for me is, is the area that they need the most help or or I guess need the most improvement. Um, I think the players are there to be really strong in the pass defense. Obviously Humphrey has the potential to be a top end corner and he's had some games. He struggled against Jamar chase, but he's, he's had some games um, where I thought, you know, I, I could have seen more from him. Um, and even, you know, going back to last year, like I, I thought he, his consistency was something that would make the Peters uh, injury a little bit less impactful. And I've been somewhat disappointed in that. And this also might be some, some recency bias uh, just based on how they performed against the Colts, but, or I, mean, I should say against the Bengals. Um, but I think, you know, I was toying between, the running game, uh, the the pass rush, and the pass defense. And I think it's hard to say the pass rush when you have Owe. Justin Houston has been pretty solid. Um, and then there's, you know, other players that are working in. And, and I don't necessarily think that the amount of sacks that, that we've been getting is an issue. But the pass defense to me against some of these great quarterbacks with Justin Herbert kind of being the outlier, I think it's struggled. And um so that's kind of the area where I feel like if we can really solidify that, the defense will be so much better. And, um, and, and that's kind of the type of thing that I think if, if the past defense can, become, can reach the, the heights that it was at like last year and even the year before, um, that's the kind of thing that could make us a Super Bowl caliber team once again. So I don't necessarily think like the players need, uh, well, no, they do need to improve. The players don't need to change, but I think the performance needs to improve a little bit uh, or at least the consistency. Yeah. I think the, I think the past defenses was one of my big areas of improvement as well. I put tackling on there just because 
Yeah. I, I, they just need to stop missing tackles. I think that's that's one of the big things that I think makes the passing defense look so much worse is they miss a ton of tackles after the catch. And the Ravens have done a good job of not giving up a lot of deep balls this season. I think it's something that they've done well on despite not having Peters. And I think Abram has played a huge role in not giving up a lot of deep balls. But that means you have to catch tackle after the catch and so I think tackling after the catch will help make the pass defense look a lot better as well I also think the running backs I know we've had injuries on the defensive line I still think the running backs need to do, be better at just finding the right holes I feel like sometimes Bell and Freeman skirt up and down the line of scrimmage a little bit too much instead of just trying to hit the hole as hard as they can that's something I feel like Dobbins and Edwards were missing them so much because what they were best at was hitting holes really hard and bursting through and breaking off longer runs, mixing in with those with those three and four yard runs, they would mix in seven, eight, 10, 15 yard runs pretty frequently. And I feel like that's what we're missing in the running game. That's just explosive element. Um, and I think the other thing I just want to see more impact from the interior of the defensive line over the rest of the season, especially in the pass rush. I think you're right. I think the edge has looked pretty good, but I think we're not getting any pressure on the inside. And that just allows quarterbacks to always just step up in the pocket and pass downfield. And that's killed us for most of the season. Yeah. I, I agree with both of your thoughts there. The reason I didn't uh, go with those was I'm hoping that Derek Wolf with him returning, I, I think injuries has been a big reason why those are area like deficient areas right now. Absolutely. So I think, Derek Wolf coming back will hopefully make an impact on that. I also expect uh, Justin Matabike to start getting more playing time. And I've been pretty impressed with him, especially in terms of like interior pressure, um, wh whether that's in the run game, you know, breaking through quicker than or breaking, you know, blocks pretty quickly, um, but also in the pass pass rush. And then obviously with running backs, like that's the main area where injuries have, have really hit us. Um, and I just think that, you know, Devontae Freeman and Le'Veon Bell have looked extremely slow. And that's been the main thing for me um, is I personally just don't like it when the ball's handed off to them <laughs> because I don't think that, you know, especially on like outside runs, they're just not going to get there fast enough, but it's hard. It was hard for me to say like, that's the biggest area of improvement when there hasn't been that much that they can really do about it. Um, mm -hmm. and, and it's more of like a literally just a physical thing. They're not, quite to the level of, of these defensive players and are not able to run past them in the ways that Dobbins and, and Gus Edwards were. So that's why I kind of gave it to the pass defense rather than uh, the running game and interior D line. Absolutely. Uh, and moving on to the most pleasant surprise of the season thus far, I have Patrick McCarry. I know he just got injured, but stepping up at right tackle, I'm not sure anyone saw him winning matchups against Von Miller and Joey Bosa. Same kind of feeling with Alejandro Villanueva. Uh, I knew a lot of Steelers fans in the offseason who were telling us that Villanueva wasn't going to be able to play well for us. And while they were right for one game, once he moved back to left tackle, he's been great. I also wanted to put Brandon Stevens on there. He's a guy that people were unsure about him when he got drafted in the third round out of SMU, but has really emerged as a great depth defensive back and is quick has learned this defense really well. He's done well in the run game. He looks like he's still some of that quarterback agility when he's in coverage. So he's been just pleasantly surprising as a defensive player. Um, I think those are my main two. I think Hollywood 
has been a little bit surprising, but not that surprising if you paid attention to what he was doing at the end of last season. The first name that came to mind was Hollywood, but I that the reason I didn't actually put him on the list was that I agree with you. I think last year he really came on and he's just carried that over. So like you said, it wasn't terribly surprising. Then, and then Stevens and Macari were the other names that I really considered. The other name that I wanted to throw in there uh, was Latavius Murray. Um, I, I had my doubts about him when he was signed just because I thought almost similarly to the Raven or uh, to, yeah, to the Ravens, like with the saints, I thought he wasn't getting that many carries. And I thought that relieving Alvin Kamara, he might've just been kind of feeding off of like the defense being tired and, and them having a pretty good run scheme. Um, and I obviously th- I thought he would do okay because the Ravens also have a very strong run scheme and and any I, to me like until we saw Devontae Freeman and, and Le'Veon Bell I thought anyone that was running alongside Lamar Jackson when there is that sort of like deception I thought they would do well but he's actually impressed me a little bit in terms of how shifty he was I didn't realize he was like that agile and then his impact running in the red zone has been really impressive to me he he very often, or at least early in the season, had been breaking off, you know, seven, eight yard runs to get into the end zone. And, and that was not something that I expected him to be able to do. Um, but ultimately, I also gave this, uh, or I'm, I'm not sure if you officially gave it to him, but I gave it to uh, Patrick McCarry just because I did not know he was capable of being this versatile on the offensive line. And, and similar to Zeitler and Bozeman, like, obviously, his injury is really unfortunate, but um the impact that he had coming out of nowhere and filling a gap uh, was just very surprising and huge for this team. Yeah, absolutely massive, I think. And yeah, I definitely would officially give this to Makari. Just watching him just outsmart and use his opponent's leverage against themselves to send them way downfield. And that chemistry with Jackson that he has, it's unusual to hear about quarterback chemistry with his right tackle but Mm -hmm. Jackson and him seem to have a really good understanding of the space Jackson needs to step up they seem to have a really good understanding when Jackson wants to take off McCurry seems to be very ready to block for Jackson downfield and seems to time his releases when Jackson times his um times his scrambles and so I think that's been an underrated quality but on Latavius Murray I absolutely agree kind of that downhill running style we were talking about earlier not something he's super known for and that was one of my questions was you know, I think power power goes really well with Jackson, a power back up the middle who who can absorb more of those those middle runs that you have to do. And Murray isn't known for that, but he's used his agility to find holes really well and find a lot of space. And I think that's the thing that we've been missing with the other backs and that Murray just does so well. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Like you, you mentioned uh, the Ravens potentially re-signing Sammy Watkins. And I know that obviously next year they'll have Dobbins and they'll have Edwards back, but Murray would be someone that I would like to see them retain um, just because I think he fits really well and, and fits better than I expected him to. I don't know, you know, obviously there'll probably be other takers for him and, and it comes down to prioritization, but he'd be someone that I'd be actually, now that I've seen him in the offense, I'd be pretty disappointed to see him go. It'll be curious to see because there was a lot of talk about the team letting Hill go or keeping Hill on the practice squad this season in favor of Tyson Williams, who has kind of gone nowhere, you know, in the second half of the first half of the season. 
And yeah. so I think Murray could be a nice guy to have on hand as a veteran back. I don't think there's anything wrong with keeping a fourth back. And then if they expand the practice squad again next year, I think they're expected to keep those rules permanent from now on. Then maybe Murray is a guy that you have at the on the practice squad if no one in the NFL wants him. But that's the other thing is a good year this year could get him attention from other teams. Right. Moving on kind of to the opposite end of the spectrum, who's been the most disappointing player for youth thus far this season? Yeah, so to me – I spent some time thinking about it and there weren't too many, like I didn't really build a list out. Um, it was really just Patrick queen. He was someone, and it's not necessarily that I think he's been terrible. I know there's been a lot of discussion around his tackling and, and um, just with him being a first round pick, I think the expectation that he was that he would be on the same level as like a Devin white, obviously LSU as well. Um, and I wasn't really expecting that this year but I thought that he would take a step up that I haven't seen. And um, I really just love his potential. And I, I thought he'd be a sideline to sideline guy. And I, I feel like the cerebral part of the game is missing. Um, even aside from tackling, I just thought he would catch up to the speed of the game a little bit. He's super fast and, and so athletic. Um, but obviously the tackling hasn't been strong, but even aside from that, I feel like there've been plenty of times where it seems that he's in the wrong place. Um, and that's something that I, I saw on occasion in his rookie year, but thought would, would kind of develop and be fixed this year. Um, so I really expected him to solidify the linebacker group um, and just haven't really felt that confident with him, whether it's, you know, in coverage in the run game, he seems a little small and, and just being in the right place at the right time. I haven't seen too many plays where he's there. It almost seems like in the Bengals game, they, they, you know, we're using him a little bit differently. And with a first round pick, like you don't want to have to be shifting their, their position and their role. You want them to be solid and where they were supposed to be playing. So um, to me, like there have been, there have been plenty of things that have been disappointing, but the play, like one singular player to me was, was, has been Patrick queen. You know, I think if we were doing this two games ago, I think I'd be more inclined to agree with you on queen but he has looked really good. Yes, they've been using him in a different role since Josh Bynes came on. I think they've narrowed his responsibilities a little bit, but he's done really well. And I think he's kind of showing that he still has that potential that the Ravens saw in him when they drafted him and that we've seen flashes of in the past. He just needs a little bit more time to get there and, and be able to see the game as quickly as he can move. Uh, and that's kind of been a tough thing, not just in him not seeing the game too well, but moving too fast. And sometimes over pursuing, it's been a problem for the whole defense. Um, yeah. I, I put Queen on my list. I also had Tyus Bowser on my list. I just kind of have been looking for more from him, especially defending the pass. I would have thought that instead of Owe dropping back in coverage quite as much as he has, that we'd see more Bowser back in coverage because that's where he excelled last year. Bowser, you know, would have expected to see him more in coverage this season. He did really well there last season. Uh, kind of feel like Marlon Humphrey has not been the high impact guy that we're used to. I think he's other than the game against the um, other than the game against the Bengals and Jamar Chase. I think Humphrey has played just fine, but that impact in terms of forcing turnovers, especially, I've been missing from Humphrey. Uh, I also think that Malik Harrison. You know, I know it's kind of awkward saying this. We're recording this on the day that news broke that he was shot while visiting, um, while attending a gathering in Cleveland. And so obviously our, our best thoughts and wishes are with him. Yep. You know, unfortunately, I felt like Harrison and Queen were supposed to be 
the linebacking core of the future. And the reports out of Harrison coming out were really exciting too. But part of the reason Queen may have struggled is that Harrison wasn't necessarily living up to what he was supposed to be doing either. And that put even more responsibilities on Queen's shoulders. And now the Queen's been able to play with a more reliable partner on the inside linebackers. I think he's showing that, you know, he can excel if he's put next to someone that kind of helps support him. Yeah, no, I think that's totally fair. Um, and Humphrey was a name I was scared to bring up uh, just because I know he's obviously a fan favorite, but he's also someone that has been pretty disappointing to me. Um, I love Humphrey. I think he's awesome. I think he's a great player, but it almost to me, I don't, I could be completely wrong about this and I'm sure I am. Uh, but to me, it almost seems like there have been plays where he just isn't playing as hard as he was um, last year. And, you know, one that stands out is the Raiders overtime touchdown. I know he was already beat on the play, but he really didn't make any effort to get back into it. And so, yeah, there, I mean, he's a great player and he has been bearing a lot of responsibility now that Averett is opposite of him. Um, but he's, he's someone that, you know, I thought he'd be a little bit better uh, as well. And I agree that Queen has looked much improved in his new role. To me, what stood out was just, what his role was supposed to be versus what it is now. And mm -hmm. I, I was expecting him to take that sort of step. Um, one other name that actually kind of just came to me as I was discussing Humphrey, he's a, a little bit disappointing. And I know a lot of this might just be, you know, his physical capabilities now and his age, but when Peters got hurt, one of the names that jumped, you know, jumped in my head immediately alongside Averett was also Jimmy Smith. And I thought that he was someone who has always been kind of flying under the radar in terms of how impactful he's been as a cornerback. And I loved when, you know, I think I could be wrong. He either walk, was walking in free agency or was cut. Um, but when the Ravens brought him back, I was super happy with that. And I thought that this year he would step up and play a bigger role than he has um, so far. So I wouldn't say he's deserving of the most disappointing player, but he also hasn't been nearly as important to the defense as I thought he'd be. Yeah, he's looked good in a few flashes, but I also just expected the Ravens to lean on him more with mm -hmm. Peters injured. You know, they seem to be really bought into Averett, and I think that's part of it is that you don't want to rotate your cornerbacks in and out too much. And as a result, Smith is ultimately more of a matchup guy that they'll insert for specific packages. But I do yeah. think that they have to consider putting him on receivers, especially ones that dominate Averett at the boundary, where his biggest weakness is. That's where Smith excels. And so potentially working some matchup magic might help this passing defense in the second half. Moving on to newcomer of the season, it was a really busy offseason. The Ravens did a lot of work to try and improve this team. So newcomer of the season so far, nominees. I have Alejandro Villanueva on here. I have Kevin Zeitler on here. Bynes is, again, an honorable mention, as is Rashad Bateman. I just don't think we've seen enough from the two of them to anoint them the best newcomer of the first half. I'd also put, I definitely put Odafe Owe on there. I put Brandon Stevens on there as an honorable mention. I think he's played really well, but he hasn't had quite the impact as a couple of these, of these other signings have. And of course, Justin Houston, I think has done really well in anchoring this pass rush and just providing consistent, consistent pressure and really doing a good job whenever he has a one-on-one -on -one matchup, winning it to get pressure on the quarterback. Yep. I, I hear you on all of those names. Um, to me, it was Adafe Owe. Um, I think he has really – I mean, I know Houston has also worked to solidify the pass rush, but 
I didn't expect him because he was so raw out of college. I didn't expect him to be playing as much as he has been. I know he's a first round pick, but I thought it was more of a developmental piece. And um, I really think that without him, the, the pass rush would be really, really rough. Um, and I know just hit like, I guess Houston has kind of the cerebral, the, the experience on his side, whereas Owe is bringing a new element that I don't think the Ravens have had in a while where they just have a purely dominant physical freak um, athletically on the edge that can like with that Bronco against the Broncos, that sack, like he can just win almost instantly. And that's something that, that they've missed in years past. And I think um, he has obviously a long way to go in terms of being uh, like an actual star, but I think he's been such a huge part of this defense. Um, and I, I just feel like without him, they, they really would be miles behind where they are now, which isn't really that great anyway, but still. <laughs> yeah. I believe through seven weeks, he had the most pressures of any rookie. And I think that's the most important statistic for, for, for an edge rusher, especially a rookie one that struggled to produce his last year in college, that zero sacks thing was a big narrative of his coming into the draft, but he's looked probably the best of any edge rusher taken in the draft that I can think of. There were a couple taken before him who haven't looked quite as sharp. Joe Tryon Jr. has looked good, good for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but they haven't been playing him as much. Always has, I think clearly the most responsibility of any rookie pass rusher this season um, or edge, I guess, edge defender this season, I should say. And he's really stood up against the run and the pass. Um, I personally am going to award newcomer of the season to Sammy Watkins. I think having an established, consistent, every down veteran threat at receiver has helped open up the field for Hollywood. I think defenses have been forced to just keep an eye on Watkins because he is a sneaky deep threat. And he showed that in game one against the Raiders and he always has been. And so I think early he showed his deep threat chops that forced defenses to kind of adjust to him. And then he started working a lot of those underneath routes, those digs, those out routes for first, excuse me, first downs consistently and really being that outside X receiver that the Ravens have been looking for for so long. And Seeing Boyd, seeing Bateman fill in so well for him has me so excited, like I mentioned earlier, to see Jackson roll out formations where he has four legitimately elite receiving threats at his disposal in Brown, Bateman, Watkins, and Andrews. And all sorts of things can be done with different route combinations of the four of them. I think it's really exciting, but I think Watkins also has done a really good job helping build this receiver group. I think he's been in a couple different he's been in a couple different organizations. He's played along some good receivers and with some good quarterbacks. And he brings all of that experience. He's only 27, 28. He's, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's relatively young for a guy you, you know, we refer to as a veteran, but he's older than every other receiver in that room. He's been in this league for pretty much twice as long as all of them. And yeah. I think he's done a great job in helping develop them along. And you see when Devin DuVernay and James Prochier are getting rotational snaps so that guys like Watkins, Brown can get a breather on the sidelines, there isn't that big of a drop-off in play. And I think part of that is the impact Watkins has had in developing these young receivers. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Um, I know there was the Ravens wired where they really focused on, on uh, Watkins against against the chiefs. And, and you could see the, the leadership that he's providing as well to a really, really young receiver group. Can't imagine that they've had a better leader in a, a unit um, than Watkins has been. Um, so obviously, you know, I'm not in the building. I don't know what he's doing, but uh, it does seem like the consistency has stepped up and he's probably some sort of a part of that. 
Yeah, and it's great, especially after the offseason of everyone saying we need to add this receiver and that receiver. And when Watkins was signed, I was like, I think this is the guy. Yeah, I was I, really, I was really happy with his signing after seeing what he did in 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 Kansas City. I mean, you think about Kansas City's offense, and Watkins is playing the same role with Hollywood playing the Tyree Kill role and Andrews playing that do it all tight end role that Travis Kelsey does. Watkins is doing the same job of unlocking the unlocking those two positions that he did in Kansas City, yeah. and that's part of the reason why our passing offense looks so good. Agreed. Agreed. I love it. Moving on to the mile high miracle, ridiculous Ravens moment of the season. This has grown into one of my favorite categories with all of the crazy games we've had. (laughs) We've had some really crazy games. There was an interception off a helmet against the Raiders. There was the 66 yard field goal. That is still unbelievable to me. Uh, There is the blocked field goal that we mentioned against the Colts. Uh, Some just some pretty crazy games that we've had so far this season. What do you think has been the craziest thing to happen this season? It's so funny. My head went straight to Justin Tucker's field goal, but the interception off the helmet is pretty wild. I I don't even think I considered it because I was thinking of plays that in games that we won. Um, That, that was an insane play. So that's gotta be up there as well. Uh, But the, the 66 yard field goal, I mean, even, you know, I, I was thinking of it in terms of like the sequence itself, not only the field goal, but the, what was it? Fourth and 17 or 19 or something that they converted mm-hmm. to get there. Um, the spike and then the, the potential false start at, or, or uh, delay a game, I should say um, right before it. So that was a wild sequence. And then I just remember like I was sitting on the couch watching that game and had my doubts about whether or not he would make that. I know it's Tucker and we're lucky to have him, but that's a long field goal. Um, so I, I didn't really expect it to go in and then it hits the crossbar bounces the right way, which is just a matter of, you know, a fraction of an inch. Um, so I, I, to me, it has to be that, especially with the, the moment itself and NFL record, which is ridiculous on its own. Um, but the, the Averitt helmet, the interception off the helmet is, is also, you know, in terms of like how crazy a play is, maybe that, that beats it. But um, the moment and, and obviously converting a 66-yard field goal is, is insane. So that, that got my vote. Yeah, I think, I think that's got to be my vote too. You know, that helmet interception was crazy. I think Calais Campbell getting the first field goal block was really impressive against the Colts. Mm-hmm. And then there was, if you go down and if you go back and look at the replay of the second missed field goal, the one that allowed the Ravens a chance to win the game, yeah. Campbell was getting held and almost blocked that one too. And may have potentially forced Blankenship to shoot a little bit further left and miss that kick. Mm-hmm. And that, that was just crazy, but I absolutely agree. The Justin Tucker 66 yard field goal all time record came in Detroit where he just seems to own that field, right? <laughs> he, he hit those six field goals against them a couple seasons ago, including a 61-yarder, which is the longest in his career, and comes out and hits the longest field goal in NFL history. I, I, it's one of the wildest plays in recent Ravens history, honestly. And, yeah, we have Justin Tucker, and he's the best kicker in the NFL and the best kicker of all time, but no one's hit even a 65-yarder, much less a 66-yarder, much less to win a game that <laughs> – your team should have been winning in the first place. Yeah. I just, I can't, you can't think of a bigger, a bigger scenario for Tucker to come in and save the day. And that's just what he's done for this team so many times. 
but to do it in the NFL record again, just truly special. And it's, you know, deserving. There's, there's no one better to own that record than Justin Tucker. Agreed. It's all, uh, it was a- yeah. Moving on, you know, kind of looking at the second half, uh, mm-hmm. Who who do you think is going to be a breakout player for the Ravens in the second half? And I guess who is there anyone that you're particularly looking at that you want to see more out of? Yeah, so my answer is actually the same for both. Um, I think, you know, obviously I, I pose this question and I, I think I had an answer in mind. Um, to me, I've been surprised with how little they've used Tyson Williams. And I know I think he got in the doghouse a little bit with some fumbles early in the year. And then there were a couple plays that effort seemed to be an issue. Um, so I'd like to see more out of him because I think he has the potential to be really strong. And I think in the preseason that, that run, I believe it was against Washington um, that, that stood out and, and was part of the reason people were clamoring for him to make the team where he, he put a, put a hand down, stayed, you know, stayed airborne and, and got into the end zone. Like, I've seen effort out of him before when he needs to make it. So really what I'm hoping for in this, you know, two week stretch where they're on the bye is that Baltimore pushes him a little bit to be that guy. And I thought he would have taken his opportunity a little bit more than he has. Fumbling to me is something like, unless it was an issue in his past, which I'm personally not aware of um, they're, they're pretty good about like teaching that. And I think, that it's something that they can work on with him. And I'm surprised that he's been used so infrequently since the fumbles. But to me, you know, I talked about the speed of, of um, the other running backs, whether it's, it's Bell or Freeman, you know, Tyson Williams has that speed to get to the outside, to break big runs. Um, And I, I think that, you know, obviously I want more of him. I want him to be on the field more. I want him to prove to the coaches that he deserves to be out there. And, I'm kind of going on a limb. I'm going on a limb here and saying that he will do that. And I think that he could be someone that, you know, the offense hasn't been bad, but he could really unlock it. If they have Murray back and they have um, Tyson Williams being more of that speed runner and really working with the, uh, you know, the, the read options that Lamar Jackson can take it or they can hand it to Tyson Williams and break off a big run because they don't have that potential in the backfield right now, even with Murray being agile. And I know I, I, I said he was like my pleasant surprise of the year. He's not someone that's going to break off a 30, 40 yard run. Whereas Tyson Williams could hand, hand the ball off to him with some deception and there's a hole and he could hit that and be gone. Um, so he's someone, you know, I thought they might make a move for a, move for a running back by now. If they haven't, to me, there hasn't been enough out of the running back room, the other three guys to say like, we shouldn't, go get a home run hitter. So I'm just kind of banking on them viewing Williams as that home run hitter. And hopefully, you know, they've put some work in. He has that drive to, to really, you know, be an impact player. And I'm just going out on a limb and saying it's going to be him. That, that's yeah, kind of it's, it's strange with Williams because he had such a good preseason, looked really good in the first two games as well. Yes, concerns about fumbles. And that usually lands players in Harbaugh's doghouse for a little while. But at yeah. a certain point, you got to let him out of the doghouse. And I think that's what we're looking for now in the second half. And it's like, okay, you put him in the doghouse. Hopefully he's learned his lesson. But at the same time, we need more help at that position anyway. We need more guys to show up in the backfield. And I think Williams is one of those guys. I think breakout players for the second half, you know, I don't really have anyone on offense because I think it's mostly about Makari getting healthy, Watkins getting healthy, Murray getting healthy. 
I'm more focused on the defense. I think a couple guys that could break out in the second half. One is Justin Matabuke, who we mentioned earlier. He was a breakout candidate for the season in general coming in. Has yeah. kind of disappointed in the first half. Um, someone we forgot to mention in most disappointing players, Brandon Williams. I think he's probably my most disappointing player. Just supposed to do more than he does. Um, and just gets paid for a lot more than, than he's been doing. But I think Matabuke could show up a bit more in the passing game, in the pass rush, especially if we go with more four pa- – if, especially if we do what defenses have been doing more this season, which is dropping more guys into coverage and only rushing four or five. Yes, that will give Matabuke, you know, a couple more – that will give him less blitzes to take advantage of. But I also think it could just give him more isolated matchups to go after as well, mm-hmm. not against max protection where he's getting chipped and double teamed and then hits a running back. So I think that – he could have a good second half. And I'm also looking at Chris Westry as a guy who, if he can make it back this season, I think he's going to have a huge impact on this team. He looked good against the Raiders. He looked really good in the preseason. And I think just having him in as a rotational guy, when Averett's getting picked on on the boundary, you can give Averett a breather and give it to West and give it to Westry for a few, for a few downs, for a few snaps and let him kind of bridge the gap. Cause uh, I think stamina is a big part of the issue with defense too, just getting gas running up and down the field all game. Yeah. I, I love that shout for, for Chris Westry. Um, another name that I, I considered on the offensive end of the ball and I, I didn't go with it just because I have my doubts about rookie receivers, but Rashad Bateman has looked good and has been, like I said earlier, like a bigger part of the offense than I thought he would be. So I wouldn't be shocked if, if he becomes like that standout number two receiver. So um, he's just another name I want to kind of throw into the hat there. Honestly, the only reason I didn't put Bateman on there was because he kind of had his breakout in his first two games where he picked up seven first downs on seven catches. But yeah. I absolutely agree, especially when Watkins comes back. Teams are afraid of Mark Andrews. Teams are afraid of Hollywood Brown. And I think they're more inclined to let Bateman try and beat them, let a rookie try and beat you, than the guys who have proven themselves a bunch of times, whether in past seasons or this year already. They might, they might be, they might just put their worst cornerback on Bateman instead of Watkins or Brown, just because it's a rookie and they feel like that's where they have the least to lose. But Bateman has looked really good. And I think he could, he could, again, he could be another breakout player for the second half. Any other thoughts on the Ravens first half this season? On the first half. um, No, I mean, I I just wanted to one final point on, on Bateman. Um, I think, you know, Obviously, he's been fairly consistent, and like you said, like he has broken out in a certain way. And, and the fact that I've been surprised is is a breakout in itself. Um, but I think that the key with that is, uh, you know, he's gone so far; he's been solid. Can he take that next step and be almost? Obviously, he's, I doubt he's going to be like Jamar Chase, but can he be like an actual impact player, scoring, doing stuff after the catch? I think that's the key with him where he could easily, you know, do more than he's already given to the offense. Yeah. And I think potentially with his development, the Ravens could enter next season with two number one esque receivers where they're both comfortable with Brown and Bateman every down. Yep. Any other thoughts or predictions for the second half of the season? So, yeah. So kind of what I'm looking forward to here, the big thing, and again, it's kind of recency bias, but, I think the team has responded fairly well to the injuries that they suffered early in the year. Um, obviously, you know, the, the loss to Cincy was tough, but if you told me that we were going to be five and two uh, going into the bye week, I would have been extremely happy with that. 
most teams are not in the position that they're at now, but now they're facing a similar sort of adversity where they're down. They lost a divisional game badly. Um, and, and so I'm really intrigued by how they're going to respond to that. Cause there's really one of two ways it can go. It can ignite the team to reach the levels that they know they're capable of, or it could really put, put a damper on the season and they might come out of the bye week flat. Um, so that that's a huge thing for me, especially considering how difficult the schedule is late in the year. This these upcoming games where I think they have two more home games um, in a row and, and they're almost, you know, record wise, they're not, but they're kind of must win games so that you don't have must win games when you're facing the Packers, you're facing the Rams and then you have divisional opponents that are always tough, like the Steelers, Browns and the Bengals. You need to get these wins now. Um, so I'm, I'm really, really curious to see how they, they come out of the bye and hopefully win two in a row at home. The other thing um, I mentioned, you know, the return of Derek Wolf. I think there are a couple other guys that are coming back from injury that could be very impactful and, and kind of help round out this team. Um, but the big one for me is, is getting Nick Boyle back. This has been a return that I've been excited about, you know, since the season began and I think given the struggles that they've had, struggle is relative, but with running the ball, um, I think he will on his own open up a lot of other holes that they haven't had. Um, and he, I mean, he's the best blocking tight end in the NFL. So getting someone like that back to support an area that has been a little bit of a weakness on the offense, something I'm really looking forward to and expect, you know, obviously I, it's always tough coming back from a major injury. He might not be 100% as soon as he returns, but his impact late in the year and going into the playoffs um, will be huge. So that, that's another thing on my mind and, and something I'll be looking out for uh, in the coming weeks. Yeah, I think the biggest thing I'm excited for is seeing these guys back from injury. Derek Wolf, Nick Boyle, Chris Westry. I hope, I, I hope McCarr's injury isn't too serious and we get to see him back. Sammy Watkins, Latavius Murray as well. And, and Nick Boyle is just a huge one, partially because he is so key to this blocking, to this run game. When you have him and Ricard and Andrews on the field, Andrews has been a really good run blocker this season, yeah. better than he even has last year with more responsibility with Boyle out. But if he can, tra- if he can continue that once Boyle returns, then you're going to be able to see some really interesting sets with Jackson and the personnel that they can roll out. Also because Boyle is more of a downfield receiving threat than Eric Tomlinson is. And so I think they're also comfortable with Boyle getting out there running routes and making plays after the catch. And so I think he's not necessarily going to turn this offense into something new. I think he'll just help make this offense a little bit more efficient in areas of the game. And that'll end up paying dividends throughout the season. Yeah. And to that point, like he won't, like you said, he won't change the offense, but I think what he will give the offense is more deception in their play calling. I remember a few years back, if I would see Nick Boyle on the field, it's a run play and I'm not a defensive coordinator. I'm not a defensive player. So if I knew that it was a run play before, you know, the defense is going to key in, key in on that. Of course, nowadays when Boyle goes in the, in, in, you know, in on the offense, um, we could see play action in ways that we haven't seen for this team before. So there, I think he offers a lot, even outside of his run game in terms of play calling and, and deceiving the defense in terms of what's coming. Yeah, absolutely. When I see Eric Tomlinson on the field now, I'm sure opposing defenses, everyone knows it's a run. There's yeah. just no way that we're passing the ball because he's not a great pass blocker either. 
Boyle is a pretty good pass blocker. And I think the other thing is that whoever's playing right tackle for the rest of the season, he'll also be there to help in the pass blocking game and yeah. help chip yeah. guys off the line as well. Another big role he can play and do a lot of little things and dirty work that just helps this offense tick. Yeah, agreed. All right. Well, thank you so much, Aiden, for joining. It was a pleasure to have you. And uh, thank you for everyone to listening. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Thanks, guys. All right. Looking forward to the Ravens next game against the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday. And we will be back with an episode of the Russell Street replay after that. Thanks so much.